right, thank you, Handbell Choir. Let's have another round of applause for our handbells. Um, it looks like that they have plenty of help, but they told me that they could always use more people to play. And so if you're interested in playing the handbells, uh, you can just go to Terry or Becky and uh, ask them about it. And I went to Terry this week and said, I'd like to play, and she said they were full. So I don't know what happened with that. <laughs> I, I was told they were taking people, but apparently they're full for me. Anyhow, that's, uh, uh, <laughs> that's right. All right, so, well, after a very long and very boring sermon, the members filed out of the church, and not one said anything to the preacher. Nothing. And towards the end of the line, as they were leaving the church, there was one thoughtful member who always had something to say about the sermons, always commented on them. And so as the pastor stood there and that member came to him, he said, Pastor, today your sermon reminded me of the peace of God and the love of God. And the pastor was all excited. He thought, wow, that's great. I've never heard that before. Can you tell me why? Why did it remind you? of the peace of God and the love of God. He says, well, it reminded me of the peace of God because it surpassed all understanding <laughs> and the love of God because it endured forever. <laughs> peace of God, today we're looking at a familiar story in our Bibles that many of you have probably heard, seeing how Jesus brings peace to our lives in Mark chapter 5, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 4, starting on verse 35. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he, being Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace! Be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Heavenly Father, who are you that the wind and sea obey you? Father, who are you that brought everything that we see and hear and smell and touch and experience into existence? You created everything that we know out of nothing. Lord, as we look at this story today, help us trust you to bring peace to our lives and not after we've tried to do it ourselves but 
Let us go to you first when we need that peace that only you can bring. Lord, I pray that your words today are heard through my sermon, through my words, that you transform them into a supernatural thing today. And your Holy Spirit speaks through me. Your Holy Spirit receives this sermon through the hearts of those who hear it today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Today I want to give you three attributes. Three attributes of the peace of Jesus. Three attributes of the peace of Jesus that we see in this section. Number one, the peace of Jesus brings calm to the chaos. The peace of Jesus brings calm to the chaos. Verse 35 tells us, On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, being the disciples, Let's go across to the other side. Now, earlier in the day, Jesus had taught several parables. He'd been teaching all day long. And he taught them by the sea where they were getting ready to cross. And he would sit in the boat and he used the, the natural, natural amplification of the water uh, pinging back into the shore so that the people could hear him. That's why he would sit in the boat. And he taught these parables. He taught the parable of the sower and explained how the word of God is seed that is sown on different types of soil. But, but, but it only grows on the good soil. And explain that. That the good soil represents the humble, the open human heart. And his disciples asked him why he taught this way. Why do you teach through these parables? And he said in Mark 4, 11 and 12, he said this. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. So that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should be forgiven. Parables will make sense to those who are truly seeking to know the truth. But to those who are not open to the truth, these parables won't make sense. God's word will not make sense will not activate the way it does for someone who is open to it. Jesus then told more parables that described the kingdom and what it was like, how the kingdom was like a mustard seed that continues to grow. It starts as the smallest seed and becomes the biggest tree. That God's kingdom will start out small but will continue to grow. And now, even now, continues to grow. And after this time of discipleship, they decided to cross the sea by boat, and we see here in verse 36. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling, that being with water, of course, but he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. Now, earlier in the day, Jesus had remarked, that he wanted to escape the crowds and cross the Sea of Galilee to go to the other side. And this would have been about an eight-mile journey by boat in the evening. So not, not a very long trek, but it's still a, it's a distance. Now, the Sea of Galilee was situated 
beneath Mount Hermon, which was a mountain that was 9,000 feet above sea level, which is hard to imagine over there in the Holy Land that you'd have that, but 9,000 feet above sea level. And because of the drastic changes in the elevation, sudden storms would often arise on the sea, and, and the passengers had little time to prepare because the sea itself was 600 feet below sea level. So it was really, uh, 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 the, the sea was uh, the, the perfect storm, so to speak, for a storm to arise. So the area is prone to sudden, intense storms. It could have been that, that, that everything was fine when they set out the sail, and they get halfway through, and the weather changes on them. And you've probably been that way before. You've been in a boat. The weather changes on you fast. And what do you do? Now, Matthew's account calls the storm a seismus, where we get our word for seismograph, right? Uh, it means literally a shaking. So the shaking arose, is what he says. And this implies that there was some spiritual, satanic attack by this storm. It's no ordinary storm. Lives are truly at risk. The boat is taking a beating and is filling up with water. But Jesus, having spent all day healing, all day teaching, was exhausted, so he took a nap. And even in the chaos of the storm, Jesus was calm. Now, whenever we have a bad storm here, and it seems like uh, we get evacuated or something, we get out of school once a year now, and sometimes it's just a little bit of rain. But it seems like to me the worst storms are ones they don't really know about. They're not really prepared for. Like some of these tornadoes that we've had that came out of nowhere. There's no tornado warning. Next thing you know, you know Terry's uh, uh, trampolines over her house. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, you know, it, we, there was no warning for that. It just happened. And, and whenever we have a, a, something like this, you know, some combination of my children get frightened, right? And so it's my job to kind of make sure they don't be too frightened. So what usually happens is, because they'll hear something. They'll hear, you know, the other day we were watching, I don't know, we were at the house or whatever, and, and this, something came on the screen that said tornado warning. And I said, oh gosh, hope the kids didn't hear that, because, you know, it wasn't anywhere near us, but it comes across the screen. And, well, one of, you know, Annabeth's friends texted her, there's a tornado coming, you know. So now she's all upset because the friend saw it on TV. And and I said, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And I tell them, I said, listen, I, I, I'll be watching the news. I'll be looking out the window. And if I'm not worried, you don't need to be worried. Okay? So just know that. Now, if I get worried, then you can worry, right? And a year ago, when the tornado did come up to our area, and I was watching uh, the news, and it said, oh, if you live on Main Street, Monk's Corner, I'm thinking, what? Uh, go ahead and, and, and get in your safe space and put on your bike helmets thinking, I don't have a bike helmet, right? <laughs> so I calmly, it was about 8.30 in the morning or something like that, got the kids up. I said, all right, hey, there's a, there's a storm coming. Let's go in this closet just in case windows break or something like that. Yeah, I think we'll be okay. And so I still tried to be, you know, not fearful. And, and, and because I can't show fear because my children will know it. Now I can deal with it later in my own way. But in that moment, my role is to not be fearful. I'd rather them learn to trust God than to see their father fearful. How awful would it have been 
if the disciples went down into the stern and found Jesus shaking like a leaf in the fetal position. I mean, it makes us laugh thinking about it because we know this story. But if they went down there and he was scared to death, what do you think they would have done? They'd be like, well, I guess this is it. I mean, if Jesus is scared, we have no, we have no shot. But he wasn't, of course. They go down and they find him asleep in the stern. Now, that should have been an amazing, comforting truth to them, amen? Should have been. Just like a child goes to their father during a storm, and the father's fine, the child should be okay. If he's fine, then I should be fine. If Jesus is peaceful, if he brings calm to the chaos, we should be able to trust that he would do that in our lives, amen? We should be able to trust that. It's important to note that whatever storm, whatever shaking, whatever attack you may be experiencing, Jesus is still calm. He's still there. He can bring calm to your chaos. He may not end the chaos right away, but he gives us the calmness you need, the peace that you need to endure it. The peace of Jesus brings calm to the chaos. Secondly, the peace of Jesus brings silence to the storm. The peace of Jesus brings silence to the storm. And they woke him, verse 38, said to him, Teacher, do you not care? That we're about to die? I feel, like, I feel like that sometimes when my kids say, Dad, you don't love me. <laughs> what are you talking about? Do you not care? Do you not love us? You're sleeping? You don't care? Verse 39, and he awoke. And, and it's amazing, when Jesus woke from a nap, he didn't sin like I would have, right? Someone wakes me up from a nap. I'm like, what? You know, and I'm like, what are you doing waking me up? He didn't sin, as we know. He awoke. He rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? The disciples were clearly panicked. Several of them were fishermen, we know. They had experience with these storms. It wasn't like me being out on a boat. They knew what to expect. They knew it was serious. If, if they were afraid, they knew it was a serious storm. They probably tried everything they could think of to save themselves. Then at last, they decided to go get Jesus that maybe he could help. And it says here that he rebuked the wind, which is an interesting thing to hear. He rebuked the wind. This is the term... Epitomeo, it's used elsewhere in exorcism stories throughout the Bible. When he would rebuke a demon, this was the word they used. It says that he rebuked the storm. Proof that this storm was, was a spiritual attack on the people and on Jesus. And what's amazing about this storm is it was somewhat predicted, somewhat written about, in Psalm 107. Look at Psalm 107 
starting in verse 23. Now, these men were Jews. They should have known their Bibles. Most of them did. Some of them might not have known it as others because most of them dropped out of rabbi school pretty early because they weren't the smartest students. That is true. We do know that. If they were, they would have been rabbis. But they had the best teacher, amen? But they probably knew this one. Psalm 107, verse 23 says, Some went down to the sea in ships doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men that were at their wits' end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still. Amen. Amen. And the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Did you know that was in the Bible? Jesus is just displaying what's already been said would happen. I wonder if they thought about that when he went out and basically quoted Scripture. Peace, be still. I wonder if they thought, oh, yeah, Psalm 107, we are with God. Sometimes that happens, doesn't it? Sometimes we hear a scripture and we think to ourselves, why didn't I think of that earlier? Why did I have forgotten about that? They were living out this biblical storm. And Jesus was quick to reveal this was a spiritual storm. And a spiritual storm is the worst type of storm because it's supernatural demonic power. And sometimes we don't recognize it while it's happening because of all the chaos. See, the chaos confuses. God is not a God of chaos. God is a God of order. So the chaos confuses us. And when we're in the storm, we, we, get, we get confused. It's like the fog of war. We don't know what's coming at us, what's happening to us. We get confused. And then after a while, we realize, oh, wait, this is not just any ordinary problem in life. I think this is spiritual. I was talking to my wife the other day about something that we had going on. And I said, this, this is spiritual, I think. It took me a while to think about that and realize it. And here I am, you know, in the Word every week, every day. That's why they need to go to Jesus. Because he knows what it is. He knows if it's demonic or if he knows it's just a storm because we live in a fallen world. He knows how to still the storm. That's why we go to him whatever problem we have in our lives we may not know the the source of it we may not know if we brought it upon ourselves we may not know if we're the victim in this situation we may not know it's just because we live in a fallen world we may not know if it's demonic but god knows so let's not wait to go to him in the stern in the middle of the storm amen let's go to him when the storm clouds are gathering. Look at Psalm 44, 23. Awake. Why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Sometimes we feel like the psalmist, that Jesus is asleep, God's asleep. But we know he's not. And even if he was literally asleep in this situation, he's still got things under control. 
he still brings silence to the storm. But Jesus is not sleeping as we know. Today he is at the right hand of the Father in heaven. He's ruling. But to us it might seem like he's sleeping. And we know that God loves us, and we know that God cares for us, and we know that he is for us. So why do we constantly forget that he's ruling over our storm? Peace, be still. The God that created the world and allowed the storm into your life can silence it with just one word. And he says, why are you so afraid? (laughs) Let's ask that question ourselves today. Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? The peace of Jesus brings silence to the storm. And number three, the peace of Jesus brings fear to the faithful. Fear to the faithful, and you're thinking, now hold on, fear, what are you talking about, Pastor? Let me explain. Verse 41, and they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this? The wind and the sea obey him. Now, we've had hurricanes come here, and and we've tried to pray those suckers away, haven't we? Sometimes we pray so hard it goes to Myrtle Beach. (laughs) Maybe Myrtle Beach doesn't have enough people praying. I don't know, right? So we might think that we control the storm on some level if we pray pray for something and it happens. But Jesus really, really controls the wind. Amen. Who is this? The wind and the sea obey him. Now the word for fear here, that they were filled with great fear, is the word phobio. We get our word for phobia. Fears. Now it can mean to terrify. It can be mean to mean to, to be struck with fear, like paralyzing fear. It can, mean, it, can, it can mean to be afraid. But it also can mean to be struck with amazement. Struck with amazement, like I was last night watching the Gamecocks blow a 10-point lead with nine minutes left in the game. Struck with amazement. Or it can mean to revere or venerate. Or respect. And on this context, I do not believe the, the disciples were terrified of Jesus. I don't think they were, they were fearful for him. I don't think they thought he was like some Halloween monster or something like this that they were afraid of. That's not what I think. I believe that two things. That first, they were struck with amazement and filled with awe and respect for him. Amen. Fear to the faithful. Amazement to the faithful, awe to the faithful, respect to the faithful. In this way, God's peace brings that awe, it brings that respect, it brings that reverence to us, a sense of awe to God's people. When we see the peace that God brings, we should stand in not terrifying fear, but amazing respect. Amen. We see him do things that we know only he is capable of doing. And if he hasn't done it yet, 
we still know he is capable. And we give God that fear, that respect, that reverence for who he is. And in 2023, when it comes to following Christ, worshiping God, I think that reverence, that amazement of who God is, is something we lack as Christians in America in 2023. Yes, He's our Father. Yes, we have a friend in Jesus. But He is not your buddy. Right? We treat him like that sometimes. Hey, man, you want to go out and, get, go out and get a taco with me? Like we, would, like we would talk to our friend. And we can talk to him like we would talk to our father or friend. But there's a reverence there. There's a respect there. There should be an amazement there for who God is because the peace of Jesus should bring this fear, this amazement, this respect to the faithful. You know, it's, a, it's a frightening time to be alive right now. Crazy things happening, especially in the Middle East. Horrible atrocities that I don't even want to talk about because they're so sinful and evil. They don't even deserve to be mentioned. And it makes you wonder how close Jesus is to coming back. If not now, when, we think. But even though the world seems chaotic, we know who's in control, amen? We know who calms the storm. We know who's coming back one day to judge the quick and the dead. We know who's coming back one day to finally completely make things right, to, to separate the sheep from the goats, to say, I never knew you, or well done, good and faithful servant. We know there's justice coming, amen? And that should leave us in awe of who our God is. That brings peace to the ultimate storm of life, evil, sin, and Satan. We know the battle's already won. We know we're victorious in Jesus Christ. So why are you so afraid, Jesus says? Where is our faith? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. Thank you so much, Lord, for giving us what we need when we need it. Father, as we close our time together today, I know there's people in here with all sorts of storms in their life. Some uh, are, are life-threatening. Some are not that may feel that way. Some are going through physical, medical storms. Some are going through emotional Storms they can't control. Some are going through relational storms. Some are going through physical 
debilitating storms, whatever it is, Lord. And, and some are going through spiritual storms that maybe they had not thought of before. That they just need to go to you and say, Lord, fix this. Take this. I give this to you. In Jesus' name, take this. That find themselves in these storms today. That they would give them to you, Father. You would take them and you would make them right in their lives. You would give them that peace that does pass all understanding and that even in the chaos you can bring calm to them as you were calm. Father, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.